All right, they were, we were testing out the mic. Oh, it works. Great. Well, you know, I'm used to a, uh, a very small church now of, um, you know, about 30 people. And so I'm going to come on down with you guys. Is that okay? <laughs> All right. Actually, you know, back in Santa Clarita. And there's, uh, there's a lot of memories here. And, of course, my wife shared, shared a lot of those. Um, but the people, seeing so many faces that are familiar. Uh, I was just talking to somebody. And I said, yeah, there's so many faces. I used to look here, and now I'm like, ooh, hi. I remember you. And, you know. uh, but, man, this is the place. This is the place where my girls were born. And this is the place that uh, my girls got their ears pierced by someone watching my kids. Um, <laughs> It's okay, I approved it, but still. <laughs> uh, this is the place where uh, we started a teen band. Uh, Michael was up there playing piano, and Christian O'Connor, and all this stuff. It was great. It's the place that Michael was baptized, Ryan Spencer. Remember those baptisms? It's, it's, it's incredible. And, of course, this is the place that I totaled my first car. I was uh, right where they were doing construction. They're still doing construction everywhere here. It never ends. Uh, but yeah, actually very close to where we're staying here up at the hotel and, uh, and a teen was in the car and, uh, I was still able to live here and, and serve in the church after that. And so everything worked out okay, but the glory days, you know, and we do have a lot of roots here, especially, uh, especially looking at the teen ministry. I was telling Heather, I said, you know, it's interesting when we first got here, the teens would sit scattered, usually in the back and lots of talking and chattering and different things. And, of course, then we moved them up. And they're still in the same place, right up here yeah. on the right side. Uh, but it's great. You know, I love, I love Ron and Cheryl. Um, they have built such a great family here, haven't they? They really have. And we've taken so much from them. Uh, even the fact that you guys went camping last week, right? Well, we've taken that with us. And we do something what we call Ohana Camp, which is family camp. Uh, in Hawaiian, but, uh, but yeah, we go, we go twice a year. Ooh. <laughs> we took your idea and upped it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it, it's great. We, we love it. You know, it really does build family. And that's something we learned from you guys is, is what it means to really build family in the church. Um, thank you so much. And also, you guys still have your banquets, your annual banquets? Yeah, we took that with us as well. And the little video slideshows and all these different things. And of course, the food and, and everything. But, uh, but what the Hammers and the Santa Clarita Valley Church has built here is really, really special. And so what I'm going to ask you guys to is savor it, cherish it, embrace it. Because like us, you may not always have that. <laughs> um, but, you know, just to let you know, I didn't always cherish, embrace all the things. Um, you know, I remember Ron, by the way, I was um, not 16 when I drove. I was 17. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I remember one time, I think, I don't know if it was at staff meeting. I think it was on the way to the, the valley for staff meeting. And Ron has a, a serious talk with me. And he says, Kent, you know, I, I got to talk to you about the way you've been dressing for church. And, uh, you know, because I had these, um, uh, these nice, you know, the, the, the nice jean looking things, but they're nice pants. Yeah, I wore those, and he was not happy that, you know, I had a jean substance on. So I didn't wear jeans today. And I, um, I do have my flip-flops. <laughs> this is about or more than what I usually wear for, for Sundays in, uh, in Hawaii. But, 
But, you know, we, we do. Uh, we live in Maui, and it's the most beautiful and blessed place in the world, not just my opinion. It's fact. <laughs> uh, but it really is. I'm so grateful to be there. There's so many, so many amazing things about it. Uh, but the Maui Church, you know, Maui Church says hello. They were excited that we were going to be able to come here and go back to our roots uh, and see you. But they say aloha. And uh, goodness, they're, they're such a great little church there. Um, they're so grateful to have people come in whenever the hammers are there or anyone. Uh, the Gimples or different people that, that come from, from the different churches were so welcoming. They're so welcoming because we're so tiny and we're on an island and we don't get a lot of traveling people like you guys do. And so, so it's really great to have you guys. So please come, visit us, vacation. Um, but there's, uh, it was, it's been very encouraging this year. Um, the church hadn't seen much happening. You know, before we got there, it was about 13-year lull of no leadership. And of course, not just no leadership in a big place, it was on an island in the middle of the Pacific, you know, so it's very isolating. And, uh, and yet, they've been able to see some baptisms this year. They've been able to get into Bible studies for the first time in years and years. And so it's, it's encouraging for them to see God moving. You know, so much, uh, so much good has happened in our lives uh, since Santa Clarita. Um, and we're grateful that so many of the, the things started here, the good started here. And then we, we continue to carry that over. Again, uh, I think Ron or Cheryl talked about how we moved from here to Northern Virginia. And then we moved from there to South Africa. And then from there to Maui. And uh, I am so ready to be done with change. <laughs> My wife thrives on it, but... You know, I'm, I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to... I, I told... Someone said... Oh, Ron was asking me, so how long do you guys plan on staying in Maui? And I said, well... I said something to this effect, but I'd rather move from one paradise to the next paradise. You know, like, that would be, that would be awesome. Oh, that would be great. But, you know, there have been things that have been tough as well, right? Life is not always grand and great, is it? Is it? <laughs> no, it's not always. And we like to hope that it will be, but it's not always that way. Uh, but I think that life hitting us hard simply is an opportunity for God to work in our lives, to stretch us, to make us better men and women for him. And uh, we'll be talking a little bit about that on, uh, on Tuesday, uh, the, the hardship and uh, coming out of that. But when I was a kid, you know, today we're going to talk about heroes of the kingdom. Now, when you think of heroes of the kingdom, who comes to mind? Okay, the Bairds. Jesus, that's a great one. There's a big difference there. <laughs> Abraham. Okay, lots of people, right? And, uh, and we can kind of come up with those people. You know, when I was a kid, my favorite superhero was Superman. That's me. That's me as a little kid. My dad would fly me around and he would say, Super Kent! And, you know, fly me all over the place. These were pajamas. They were not a costume. I was Superman when I was wearing those. And you notice, of course, you got the awesome underwear on the outside. The classic Superman look. Um, those were real underwear, actually, that I put on the outside. <laughs> I went shopping with my Nana one time, and she said, do you need anything? And I was like, yeah, I need underwear. She's like, okay, and I picked out the red ones. Not to actually wear, but to wear on the outside of my awesome Superman costume. Uh, but you know... When we were all kids, we wanted something great. Isn't that interesting? You know, it's, it's funny that we want great things as a kid. We believe we can do anything when we're kids. We look up to the, scar, uh, to the stars and we dream about what life 
would be, the life that we could live one day as we get older. Because when your little life is up, the future's up, everything is up, isn't it? Mama, let me stay up. Just wait up, hold up, shut up. <laughs> like everything's up, right? <laughs> and of course, everything's just the opposite for parents. Everything is down. You know, just get your heads out of the cloud. Keep your feet on the ground. Just calm down, slow down, calm down. Sit down. Put that down. <laughs> and as Christians, I think that we can often fall into this pattern spiritually. That as spiritual kids, spiritual babies, spiritual children, you know, we're, we're deep and we're passionate in our love for God. We love it. We're excited about where God is going to take us. We live radical and crazy lives because we know our time is short here on earth. And we have high hopes and dreams. And everything is looking up. Right? And as we age spiritually, we tend to calm down and mature. Right? And of course, it's not that we don't want to be a hero anymore. I mean, we all go and see the movies. How many of you have seen any Marvel movie, any, you know, any, I mean, any Tom Cruise movie, any, any movie that has a hero in it, right? We love those movies. We want those movies. And if you come to Maui, then on many Sundays, I'll show you movie clips and things like that. Because that's what I do for a lot of, not, not today, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we, we love those things. But it's not that we no longer have those things in our life or desires But sometimes we feel, with being bagged down by the world and all that the world puts on us, we feel like we can't really be that hero anymore. Maybe be that hero for our wife anymore. You know, I'm going to sweep you off your feet like a knight. And then all of a sudden, you know, life happens. Or maybe for our kids, I'm going to be there and be the best dad, the best mom. And then then stuff happens. Or or maybe spiritually, you have these incredible dreams of I'm going to do this and do that. And then, man, Satan comes in and, and steals a lot of those things away, doesn't he? But maturing spiritually doesn't have to mean that we trade passionate love for pessimistic commitment. It doesn't mean that we have to trade our radical life for realistic conduct. And it doesn't mean that we have to trade dreaming big for the decision to settle. It doesn't mean that. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And, you know, this is a passage that I'm sure... You guys have heard and read and recited many, many times. It's interesting that many times we read things in the Bible and we read them so often we forget sometimes their original intent. You know, we use them for all these, all these different teachings and all these different things, but, but we forget sometimes. First Peter 2 verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's treasured possessions that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Chosen. Chosen. You are chosen. Like how many of you guys wanted to be chosen for a sports team? You know, or chosen for a, a, something in band or, or musical or a play or, or whatever. You want to be chosen. Girls, you want to be chosen. Right? One day by a boy. My husband, right? That's what, you want to be chosen. All of us want to be chosen for something. God chooses you. 
And then he says all these other things about us, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, God's treasured possessions. I mean, you are treasured. And I know that you've heard that a million times, but think about what that means. Treasure. You're not just treasured because of something you do. God treasures you for you. He treasures you. He looks at you and he says, you're special. I want to choose you. You're my treasure. How often do we believe that is how God feels about us? Really? He feels that way, that you are a treasure. That he chooses you. I want you to, to close your eyes for a second. Because most of the time, I want you to think, what do you really deeply vulnerably think about yourself. When you're lying in bed, when you're all alone, what do you really think about yourself? You can open your eyes. You know, so often those two beliefs of being God's treasured possessions, being chosen for something really special by God, that is not the same belief that we have many times inside of us. Sometimes those things don't cross. We think all sorts of craziness about ourselves. That's why we feel guilty. That's why we feel shame. That's why we feel unworthy. So many different things. But God loves you so much because he believes in you so much. I mean, he really does. He sent his own... We know this. This is not like brain science of, oh, look, you know, God loves us so much. We know that. But he loves you so much that he sent his son to die. Does that not say how much he believes in you? He believes in you that much. Amen. You know, uh, I was on a plane this summer. And have you guys seen Rogue One? Yeah. I finally saw it, like eight months after it came out on a plane. But, but I loved it. Uh, I finally got to watch it. And of course, this is the, the Star Wars offshoot. You guys looking forward to uh, two months from now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> But uh, the, the, last, the, the Last Jedi, is that what it is? Yeah. And then one more, two years later. But I actually really like this movie. I wasn't sure what I was going to think, because it's kind of an offshoot. You know when you have a, a series of movies and they do an offshoot, it's usually like, you know. But, but this was really good. And once I was done watching it, I started thinking about it more and more. And the more I thought about it, the more I loved it. And... The reason is because I was so impressed with the characters and the storyline. See, the plot takes place, if you guys remember, before the original 1977 Star Wars. It takes place right before that. And we all love, or should, love the Star Wars saga, right? Should. But why? Why do we love it? Because there's heroes and there's villains and, of course, who always wins? The heroes, right? Not in all movies, but you know, at least in these ones, for the most part. And what I loved about Rogue One was that the main characters, Jin, one of them, but the main characters were actually not even talked about, thought about, or remembered in the overall saga. Now, you could easily say, yeah, that's because they hadn't created the movie yet, and so, of course. But, but the way they tied it in, is it's very interesting. It's like these characters, and how many of you guys have not seen this movie? Awesome. I'm going to spoil it for you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, but basically, and this is the whole story, so I'm not spoiling anything, but the characters in here are the reason the Death Star could be destroyed. If it weren't for these, and you think, no, it's Luke Skywalker. and it's like, No, but it's because of these guys, and you'll learn it if you watch the movie. But their roles 
were not that important when you think about the whole scheme of the saga. But they were actually quite vital for anything to happen. And, and so you realize how important they are in the grand scheme. Why do I bring this up? Because it reminds me of the Bible. It reminds me of our heroes in the faith. And it reminds me of us. You see, most of our heroes in the faith, like you guys mentioned at the beginning, are mentioned by name and perhaps have lead roles in the Bible. Right? They're like, yes, Abraham, faith, Boaz, you know, warrior, whatever. All these different things. We, we think of these people. But how do you feel about yourself? When I say hero in the faith, hero in the kingdom, are you one of the first people that pop into your own mind? You guys remember this? Some of you don't. <laughs> but some of you do. Where is Waldo? I loved this book uh, growing up. Why? Because you just spent a long time looking at books without reading. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. But the reason I, I show you this is because, you see, you know, he's circled down there. We circled him for you. But, man, where is Waldo? Do you ever feel that way, not without the circle, that you're Waldo in a sea of people? And it's sort of like, well, am I really that important at all? I mean, God's up there. He sees the whole world. Really? Like, am I really that necessary for God's kingdom? Because I don't have this role, and I don't have that role, and I'm not doing this, and I wasn't like this person, and, and all these things. And a lot of times we can minimize our role in the kingdom. Do you ever feel like if I wasn't here, would anyone really notice or care? I felt that way. And the interesting thing is, you think, oh, maybe I felt that way during low times or when nothing was happening in the, in the church or the ministry. Actually, I have felt like Waldo. <laughs> of course, he's not real, but I imagine how he felt. <laughs> Just find me. But I have felt like him when I could be baptizing, I could be doing great in the ministry, I got a great wife, our relationship's going good, we got our, you know, our kids. Things could be going well in the ministry or in life. But if I don't see myself as vital in God's sight, everything else becomes a wash. And like I said, you know, there's been some tough parts of Maui. It's been amazing, but it hasn't been simple. It hasn't been easy. South Africa had its rough spots. Nova had its tough times. Even Santa Clarita was not always peaches and cream. <laughs> Why? It's because over the time, God was allow, allowing my character to be exposed. My, my, sometimes my dreams felt you know, shut down. My marriage wasn't always where it wanted to be or where I needed it to be. Um, and I realized it's not the place. It's not the circumstance as the reason why I'm not doing well or I'm not happy or things are hard. You can move, and there you are. You can have a relationship with someone. And it's just a problem, and you get out of that relationship, the next person, same problem. This problem keeps following me around. You know what that problem is? It's not me, it's you. But <laughs> I'm the problem in all of your relationships. No, you are. Okay? But I'm the problem in all of my problems. That's the commonality. And again, it's not just me as a person that I have these problems, but rather the way I viewed myself deep down, it affected all the aspects of my life. And what helped me so much to grow out of a performance-based Christianity, what helped me to grow out of a man-approval-based discipleship, was studying out and finally believing who I am in God's sight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
That's what's going to change you. Because how often have we read scriptures and we've sinned and we feel terrible? Let me go to the Bible and how it tells me to just repent. Or let me see, oh yeah, I mean, this God separates the sheep and the goats. And, uh, and you start to feel all these guilty things because you did something wrong or because you're just not where you need to be. Right? And that gets you somewhere for a little while. But that's not going to push you to see yourself the way God sees you. Because God is not punitive. He's not trying to make you feel bad so that you'll do the right thing. What happened when I finally started to study out what God sees about me? And you can read this for yourself, these things, but I'm an encourager. Because of God, I'm a teacher. I'm a learner. I'm strong. I'm treasured. I'm believed in. Free. Unstoppable. I'm a giver. I'm an eternity changer. I'm a disciple maker. I'm a cross bearer. And I am God's son. That's who I am in God's sight. That's who you are in God's sight. And now I'm starting to get a glimpse into how Jesus sees me. And that's what changes me to be ready to take on the world. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, It is for freedom... That Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. That is a very seemingly confusing and redundant statement. (laughs) Yes, thank you, Jesus. But what does that really mean? Christ died for us so that we could be free, not just of our sins but of the way that we feel about ourselves. What's this, don't be, you know, don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Sure, you could be talking about sin there as well. But what else are we yoked to? What are we a slave to? A lot of times it's our negative worldly views of the way that Satan throws things at our face. And this is who you are. And this is how you're not good enough. And this is what's really going on. And what you're not worth it. And all these different things. And it tears us down. Christ died not only to set us free from our sins, but our but free from the way that we think that is not godly thinking. That's right. When it comes to valuable players in the Bible, or in Bible history, so much couldn't have happened without the people who are perhaps not mentioned. Yep. You've you got to think about it. What, did like 50 people make everything in the kingdom happen? <laughs> no, it's, there, there's so many people that are not mentioned, or maybe just a little tiny name or a long name that you can't pronounce, that you don't know anything about, but perhaps they were the reason this other person was able to. Right. right? Just like in basketball, we always, you know, oh, it's the person who makes the shot, but so much of it is the assistant, right? It's the person who passes the ball before that. Or in football, oh, they caught it, or it's the quarterback. What about the people blocking? I mean, it's so many players, and every single player has a role. And it's so important. Most people... Don't say that some of the prominent Greek men who were converted, you remember in Acts, are, are their heroes. Oh, yeah, it's those. But, but maybe those are the people, the lineage of why we're even here today. We don't know. You know, we don't know how the gospel was passed on exactly. Or maybe the guy who came back to thank Jesus. Who knows where he went after that? Or maybe you guys know the book of Nehemiah. And it talks about all the different people that rebuilt the, the city walls. And it talks about this... The, the goldsmith that rebuilt the dung gate and all this like, <laughs> okay. What about him? He's in there for a reason. 
He had a vital role in God's kingdom. The centurion who claimed, surely he was the son of God. Or even one of the 3,000 who became the first church. We don't know anything about them, really. But they're the reason that we're here. They're the reason the kingdom of God continued on. They were vital. But these people and so many more had pivotal parts in the kingdom. What God cares about is that you are still growing that you're still changing, becoming more and more like his son, growing in heart, in faith, growing in love for one another. Growing. Go to John chapter 10. Believe it or not, I just was receiving a phone call from someone in my congregation. (laughs) Probably like, we can't get the sound equipment working. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Hello. No, I'm just kidding. I've never answered the phone during a sermon. That would be the first. Hey, there are a lot of firsts here, right? All right, John chapter 10. It says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I use it in many, many sermons often for different reasons. But life kills the dreams we dream. Satan tries to destroy you. Because he knows what Jesus can do through you. I want to show a video to you. And it's from, uh, it's from Britain's Got Talent. 